intimacy can be a hard one for a lot of us. There is a part of intimacy that shows the truth of who you are and to be actually seen. And if we're not used to being seen, then that can feel invasive at times. There's an empowerment part of that that comes with it as well. So to be empowered enough to be seen or maybe to be empowered enough to hold space for someone to be seen. So today we're talking to Natalie Byers, uh, who is an intimacy coach and a just a beautiful human being that helps empower women um, through the coaching that she does to feel the empowerment of intimacy and to feel the empowerment of being the true person that they are. And so today's conversation, we're going to talk about how to explore empowerment through intimacy. How do we get there as a culture? How do we get there as in, in whichever gender that you recognize as? How do we get there and hold that space for safety? I love honest and open conversations. A lot of the work that Natalie does um, would maybe a few years ago, if not a little bit longer, been considered taboo to talk about. But I think that's what we need to do is talk about this stuff and to put it out there so it doesn't become awkward and we can have open conversations about life. I'm really excited to talk with Natalie. Hope you get something out of the conversation. We'll see you on the other side. But first, a message from our sponsor. Our healing journey can be difficult and might feel lonely at times. That's why I love sound baths. Where we can get together in a community, we intrinsically support and feel supported by others. And that combined energy can help us go deeper into our own healing journeys. And all you have to do is just lay there for one hour and listen to beautiful healing sounds. I'm a sound healing practitioner, and I hold sound baths on a regular basis in the greater Seattle area. You can find my next sound baths on my website at adamrealhealing.com. That's Adam, A-D-A-M, real, R-I-E-H-L, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, dot com. Adamrealhealing.com. Your healing is worth your time. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Natalie Viers. All right, welcome back to our show. Uh, today I'm sitting across from Natalie Viers. Uh, Natalie was introduced to me by another gentleman that was on our show. That was uh, Mr. Austin Weber. And so Austin, um, I love Austin. He's just a beautiful human. Just since I mentioned his name, I just got to <laughs> throw a little shout out to him. Uh, but so uh, Natalie is uh, does fantastic work. And this is uh, work that, um, that I think is extremely important. It's intimacy work and sensuality work. And so one of the big things that Natalie does with the work she does is working with women to help discover sensuality. And, and it's not just women that can benefit from that. Obviously everybody can benefit from that, right? There's confidence that's created with sensuality. There's confidence that's created with knowing oneself. And so, um, you have a multitude of coursework that you work with, uh, whether it's individual work, uh, you do zoom work, you have a, a very, uh, uh, alluring course called the blowjob uh, course, right? Which is fantastic. It's called the art of the blowjob. Art yes. of the blowjob. Thank you very much for correcting me. Um, and, um, you've started, uh, well, and talking to you, you've started a multitude of podcasts. Podcasts. Uh, one is out there right now called um, "Getting Getting Off," and that's with a co-host named Rocky. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've listened to the first two of the three episodes that you guys have dropped, and I love everything that you're doing. I love the conversations you're having, the safety and the content that you're creating, um, the opportunities for inquisitive questions to pop up in the head and be like, "Oh shit!" And like, that's an interesting way to approach that. I never thought about that. Right? And I love, for me personally, 
two things that I love right now about life are questions that I've never asked and answers I've never sought. Mm. Right. And so the questions that I've never asked and not to say that I know all things and I'm like, Oh, I'm fucking, I ask all the questions. No, but like, I mean, we're, we're out there in the world, right? There's a lot of like understanding of the world. Right. And then what, when somebody asks a question that I've never heard of before, that's like, Oh, good for you. Let's approach it that way. It's a poignant moment. It's so beautiful. It, 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 it embraces, it allows us to embrace our ignorance. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the best things about wisdom is you're wise enough to show you're dumb. <laughs> you realize you know nothing. You know nothing, right? <laughs> and it's beautiful. There's a beauty in ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need to know all the shit. And then when we don't know all the shit, we open ourselves up to find the actual answers we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So uh, so Natalie, you're, you're the best. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Oh, um, I, again, like I said, the, the work you're doing is great. Um, the podcast um, is... So I think, okay, so the importance of the podcast that I feel is the conversations. You're having what some would maybe consider awkward conversations or maybe very personal conversations. Um, but I think that we're in an era now where we need to stop hiding conversations. What about whatever it is, right? About, about you know, the fact that the men's prostrate is in their butt and that's where we get the most pleasure. <laughs> Right. That makes a lot of people squirmy, but you know what? Hey, put there for but a reason. Let's fact. explore it. Right. The, 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 the talk of menstruation. I have two young daughters. If mm -hmm. I don't talk about menstruation, then I'm, I'm ignoring part of their, their life. Oh, right. Thank you for that. Right. You know, but I think, you know, but it, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, bleeding. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it was all this like taboo around this shit. Right. So thank you for making those conversations open and talking about intimacy and talking about sensuality. Um, there's a, uh, there's a separation of the word intimacy that I heard a while back and I can't remember who did it and, but it really made me just kind of like take a deep breath and feel warm and fuzzy inside. So you take the word intimacy and break it up into three words into me, see, mm. and when you are allowing somebody to see the true you that is not hiding, that's not ashamed, that's not embarrassed, that's true intimacy. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. I think what we're all kind of searching for, but throughout life, we've kind of put up these barriers of, Oh, they shouldn't know that about me. Oh, mm -hmm. I shouldn't talk about that kind of stuff. You know? So first off, you are a very outspoken human being <laughs> in a beautiful fucking way. Right. Unabashed. Let's talk about some shit and you do Old. it very respectfully. <laughs> Uh, how did you get to this point? Were you always kind of like this, uh, this, this open and sharing? Was this something that was like a journey for you to get to? Very much a, a journey. I, um, uh, I, I work a lot with, um, with clients with authentic expression. And mm. that is because I woke up at one point in my early 20s and felt very self less without self i guess selfless mm. means something different <laughs> but <laughs> i felt i felt very empty and very out of touch with um who i even am and um i was receiving messaging in my life i wasn't quite aware yet that it wasn't that it was the voice of my intuition and uh and sort of a higher voice mm. uh but I kept being told to, to use my voice. Uh, and I kept going, why? What for? <laughs> what do you want me to say? And um, it turns out that uh, it doesn't so matter so much 
the content what you say. It matters more that you say it with your whole self. Mm. And that, you know, you you are fully immersed and um, embodied in what what you believe and what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, that's that's when the power comes through. And so it was very much, um, you know, I went from like, who the hell am I to uh, what do I care about? What matters to me? What do I enjoy? Um, I had no idea I was disconnected from the experience of pleasure in general. I was very, I was a very depressed version of myself. So I started to wake up to the world of uh, pleasure and, uh, you know, involving my different senses and um, the further I got into my own journey of, um, you know, finding these things in myself, and uh, the better and better I started to feel, mm. and the, the better experience I started to have in my life, I started to feel like my life was working with me instead of against me. And, um, and I started to have all these really amazing experiences that were a, a direct result of me choosing to have courage and do this exploration. And, and I always felt very pulled through the whole thing by my, by my own soul kind of thing. Oh. Like just kind of like yanking me through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so funny. You mentioned the, the pull on the soul. I, uh, I've been really in, in a meditation the other day. So I've been working on trying to like discern my ego from my higher self, you know, and saying like, and, and, and the, the, the idea of where my path goes, kind of like you're talking about. Cause like for so long, it's like, no, I'm going here. No, I'm going here. Instead of listening to the voice, be like, you should go left. And it's like, Hey, guess what? I'm fucking going right, buddy. Right. <laughs> but you, but we feel like we're in charge. Yeah. I know I'm going this way. I've made the decision and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so in a, in a meditation the other day, I was thinking about that, that concept. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Donnie Darko mm -hmm. uh, from the nineties, but Jake Gyllenhaal early movie and where he's got schizophrenia, but he can kind of see time in different ways. Mm -hmm. And there is a scene where he's uh, sitting at home with his family watching TV and he looks over to his dad and he sees this this gel tube come and come out of his dad's center of his chest while he's sitting down and it comes out of his chest turns a corner goes in the kitchen and then like a second later his dad gets up follows that tube mm -hmm. goes into the kitchen and mm -hmm. donnie darko's like <gasps> it's like seeing it's like he just watched his of, will <laughs> exactly right it's being this the soul's like hey you know what we want a beer Let's get up and make that path. And then the <laughs> body's like, hey, guess what? We're going to get a fucking beer, right? <laughs> but I think, you know, there is something with that. When we can quiet ourselves down enough to where we can discern whether or not, like, we're forcing ourselves into a situation or if we're being led to mm -hmm. a situation, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, but that's, you know, up to the human to decide because all of our intuition re re relates to us differently. But, but yeah, I, I, I draw very heavily into that soul kind of tugging right now. I don't know if this is the experience for everyone, but the the feeling like I'm supposed to do something has been very heavy with me my whole life. Mm, okay. Very like, like the feeling of, that's why in my twenties I kept, I kept like shouting at the heavens. What do you want me to say? <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, cause I, I've always had this very intense sense of purpose, Okay. but it's always been like, for what? Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. What do you want me right. to do? Like, I get it that you need me for something, but can you give me a fucking hint? Like, drop yeah. me a line or something? Like, send me a book? Or... Spell it out for me yeah. because I'm not getting it. And, um, it, I mean, it's funny, though, because, like, I do get it now. The, the journey, when, if you go from I have no fucking clue to 
it, things start to make sense. The threads start to pull together. You start to see an actual image in the tapestry mm. and you're like, you know, I had no, if you had asked me even five years ago, if I would be on the internet talking about blowjobs, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way in a million years I would have believed you. I've been like, no, I'll bet, I will bet you a million dollars. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I'll make it a point to not do that now. It's like, wait, why am I doing this? All right, uh, fucking hell. Yeah. Well, there's, I think, you know, with, with that, there is, um, so there's this idea of the, the focus that we put towards things, right? And so we, uh, like, you know, with your example of like, I, I, I know I have a purpose, but what the fuck is it, right? I feel it, but I don't see it. You know, so this thing makes me think back to like, uh, you know, books like the Mahabharata, right? Where the Bhagavad Gita came from, right? So Mahabharata is uh, written thousands of years ago. It's about, uh, you know, Hindu folk folklore. And there's countless uh, stories in there about like uh, pious individuals that, so this, this, when this book was written, there were still like, you know, the ideas of God and goddesses, gods and goddesses, deities that walked among us, right? And so we could, um, you know, pray for 40 days and 40 nights and have something like give us a, a boon of sorts, right? A grant is a, a gift. So there's countless stories of this. Like there's one story of like this uh, gentleman, Eudistria, whose brother died and he was like, nope, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to stand in these waters in the lake by where my brother died. And I'm going to pray to Yamajara, which is the God of death and say, Hey, I don't accept this. Tell me why my brother died. This is bullshit. And for 40 days and night, that man stood waist deep in water with his arms outstretched to the heavens. Right. It was just like stood there praying, focused, like what the fuck, man. And then after 40 days, Yamajara said, Hey, Appreciate your dedication. Your brother's alive again. There you go. Thanks for playing. Right. But so I say that because so many times in my personal journey, I've found myself asking for something. Please let me find peace. Please let me find happiness. Please let me find financial security. And then the next day I wake up and I'm like, fuck this. I'm fucking miserable still. I don't have financial security. I just got another bill in the mail. This is bullshit. This isn't working. Well, also the amount of dedication and focus it takes for somebody to put 40 days and nights of focus in towards something is a lot. Mm. So for my five minutes that I just said, Hey, guess what? It'd be nice to do this and kind of put some focus towards it. Multiply that by how many times 40 days and 40 nights is right. And mm -hmm. that's that, that's the level of, of intensity that we need to ask for sometimes. So like when we have those moments of like, I hear my path, I hear there is a path. I just don't know what the fuck it is. And it gets, takes some time. It takes some time. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen. This is kind of bullshit. I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm looking too deep into this and this is just the wind blowing from the left to the right and it actually doesn't mean anything. Mm. But if we take the time and we actually quiet ourselves down to get that kind of focus, we can start to hear that stuff. Mm. I, I refer to the concept of walking in faith. Mm. Um, the, faith has been such a is such an essential part of my journey in entrepreneurship specifically, which is also very, very tangled up into my own personal growth as it must be <laughs> because we run into all of our issues when we're our own boss. <laughs> don't we, don't we? Good Lord. But um, the, one of the most empowering lessons for me has been, I, I'm not completely in charge here. Okay. I, I definitely have an important role. I have a lot of personal responsibility. I have a lot of influence and I'm doing a co-creative dance. Hmm. So what I'm not in charge of 
is the bloom in my life. The bloom is divine timing. Mm. I'm in charge of all the planting. I'm in charge of all the the the, in, the intention setting. Not, I was going to say planning, but it's not so much planning because it's God's plan. It's And I use the word God in a very loose term, mm. higher, higher power source. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not my job when when the garden's going to flourish. Yeah. Like it's not my business. Yeah. And anytime I try to make it my business, I stress myself the fuck out because I'm trying to force freaking flowers to bloom. When's the last time you tried to do that? Right. Right. <laughs> They're not going to sit there and bloom for you just to make you happy. Uh-huh. Exactly. They're on their divine timing, not yours. Sorry. I'm my own miracle. Thank right. you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was a there was a, a person I was listening to the other day, and they talked about something very similar to that, and it, it landed like a ton of bricks on my head. And they were saying, you know, you could look at your life in a couple different ways. Like, let's say you look at your life like a construction site. Like, you have an idea of what you want to build. You build the foundation. You put the walls in. You put these houses, and you put these doors, and you do all this stuff, but you're physically doing it. And then there's, we create a garden. Right, mm-hmm. you you make sure the soil has the nutrients it needs. Right, it's fertilized. It's got all this, you know, all that shit. But you can, like you said, you can't force it. I can't sit there and be like, grow, grow. Why aren't you growing yet? I put more water in you. I gave you more sun. Well, guess what? Now you just flooded it, and you've given it so much sun that it's burned. Yeah. Right. So you create the constitution of happiness. You create the opportunity for happiness to happen, and then you just kind of sit back. You still tend to it. It's not a it forest. Takes on a life of its own. Totally. Yeah. The distinction I see there between like construction site and garden mm-hmm. is that the garden uh, analogy, for me leaves room for for more magic like mm. it, it really it really because a construction site that's more in like in the realm of planning right where right. We, we kind of we see which is important and needed mm. in life to like to be able to see the all the way to the end and when we're talking about inviting in more than more than we would ask for right like that's when when we walk with intention in faith that is inevitably what we're moving toward is more than we ask for because more is going to come than we could imagine. Mm-hmm. When the garden blooms, you know, you don't expect that there's going to be a sweet little fawn that wanders, wanders in one day and like, you know, bunny rabbits, uh-huh. and, but you know, they're there to bring you more joy in your garden totally. and you didn't supply them. Yep. You created that, op- <laughs> you created the environment for happiness mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like, Hey, I guess I planted one seed. But like four different types of flowers bloomed. Whoa, fucking thanks, divine timing, you know? But, you know, if we if we have everything super planned out, and this is something I, I say to myself, I'm saying this out loud, but I say to myself all the time, if I have everything planned to a T, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, we don't leave space for the divine to come in and, and speak and for that freedom of, you know, the expression to come in. And so, yeah. like, we... And I think that's a, that's a, that's a, 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 a test for the human to find the balance of the way that statement lands. Because for me, I still have to play into some, have to, I choose to play into some of my OCDs and say like for my yoga classes, I I pretty much know what I'm going to do. Like I'm really prepared for that. For these interviews, I used to be very prepared. Like these questions I'm going to ask, this subject matter we're going to tackle, we're going to go through this stuff. And then I'd find myself at the end of the interview, I'm like, I said one of the bullet points, none of the other (laughs) stuff. But with that freedom of that expression, you leave room for the tangents to happen, for the divine to come in and say, hey, actually, you know what? She just said something that's really interesting you never thought of. 
flag that. Let's bracket that shit and move mm-hmm. on from there, you know? And so, but I think we need that. We need that freedom to one, maybe play into some of the stuff that, that is just part of who we are, but also to understand that there is, there is space for play. Mm-hmm. Right. That's tying back into what I was saying earlier about, um, <laughs> what just flew out of my right. head. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I was I was there. What I was saying about uh, not needing to know what it is that you're saying. It's more important that you're saying it and that you're saying it like from your essence. Mm. Because in a situation like this, when we're having an intentional conversation, right? This con- this isn't just any conversation we're having. The intention behind this conversation is to open up connection points for others, right? Mm-hmm. It's to, it's to increase awareness and, um, and, uh, also to invite more vulnerability. And, um, when, when we have simply set an intention for the reason why we're having a conversation, we then open ourselves up to literally channel the divine through mm-hmm. our voice. And that's when wisdom and insight comes forth. And when you do plan, plan everything, you're not in that same state of just allowing, uh, you know, the, the natural emergence of insight. Mm. Yeah. Cause there, then that's where the presence comes in. Like if we're constantly trying to remember what we're trying to say, instead of just being present to what's being, I guess in a way, you know, channeled through us, you know, I there's, uh, Jack white, uh, I listened to an interview with Jack White the other day, uh, guitarist, you know, White Stripes, all that shit. And he was saying, he's like, if you as a musician think that you write the music and the songs that you're playing, you're full of shit. Your antenna is just tuned in the right frequency to mm-hmm. pick up what needs to be said in the style that you can say it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I heard that, my I have ambitions of writing a book one day, haven't gotten there yet, but so much of my planning process has been stifled because like, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? What is my thought process going to be instead of like, Hey man, why don't you just sit down and put your antenna up there and say, Hey, what's coming through? What's coming through? What, what subject matter is floating through the ethos that needs to be talked about that is that I have the ability to enunciate on. Mm-hmm. And can share the space in a safe way to explain this topic matter. Mm-hmm. Go from there, right? And it might be something you've never fucking thought of before. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm teaching a course on like <laughs> I'm gonna use this as an example. Shining your butthole towards the sun. <laughs> that was one of the most recent things that I read that I was like, huh. And there's science behind this. Okay, that's like one of my favorite things to do. I'm not okay, I, so okay, in the house I live in, I want to try it. I want to try it 100. percent Well, so in the house I live in, I don't have like I have neighbors on every side, and they're very active neighbors, right? And so like by the when the sun is like highest in my backyard, where I would feel the safest doing this, uh, there's potentially lawnmowers and gardeners and shit happening and all this stuff. And I just can't be out there it's like in happy baby, like, just wide like open. Here we go. Son of my butthole. And okay, so let me just explain since you know what I'm talking about. So the listeners know. Uh, there's an idea that your butthole has the, uh, is the most, is the least uh, sunned spot on your body. So it is the most sensitive to vitamin D. So if you, the theory is, and there's some science behind this, 
the theory is, is if you sun your butthole, I just love saying that. <laughs> Your butthole. <laughs> for uh, and I, it's only like thirty seconds to a minute. It's not a long time, but it's like doing it for almost an hour because of so much sensitivity that's being pulled in. It's a short period of time. I've literally used this as a bonding technique with a new friend before. <laughs> with a new friend. That is the best like, icebreaker I've ever heard in my life. Let's test our soulmate level of friendship. Okay, are you willing to do this with me? And she was totally down. <laughs> Fuck yes. That's where you just see, you're like, do we just become best friends? Ride or die, baby. Fucking hell, man. Oh, I love that. Thank you for knowing what that is. I appreciate you following. <laughs> I have like, that's one of my greatest pleasures. I mean, not, not specifically that, but, right. but sunning nude is mm. like, that is being in the sun naked, being outside naked, particularly swimming naked yes. in the sun is my definition of heaven. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, my fiance Monica. Same. She's like, give me water, give me nudity, give me it all if I can. I'm a that's fucking happy woman. That's the most natural, like, nourished, nurtured feeling in the world. Yeah. And I think there's something subconscious with that, too, because... I think subconsciously, none of us are ashamed of our bodies. None of us are really that attracted to random nakedness. It's just... Like we've culturally become, oh my God, there's a nipple. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you see the bottom of that person's butt cheek? Like mm-hmm. what the fuck, man? Is that really what's turning? And no, hey, whatever turns you on, turns you on, right? I'm not, not throwing shade at that. But, you know, we're, I think we're into a point now where like the gratuitousness of it is, 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 I don't know if disturbing is the right word, but it's, it's concerning. Let's say concerning. And I do feel that the more we are able to show the less, um, the less exciting things are. And that's not to say like that would diminish sex, right? But if if we got into a population understanding that, let's just say women can walk around with their shirts off, right? Without bras on. And there weren't going to be just, you know, stereotypical idea of, let's say, heterosexual men ogling these women, saying, you know, lewd, lewd kind of things and just letting humans be humans, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we let children walk around butt-ass naked until the age of, what, like, four or five, and then it's like, eh, you should probably put some clothes on. I, I, I embrace the idea of that freedom being something that can happen one day. Maybe not in my generational lifetime, but the, the freedom to know that you can express yourself however you want. Mm. You can wear all the clothes in every fucking closet you've ever worn, and, that, and if you feel safe, that's great. But if you also feel safe going out with, like, nipple tassels and a fig leaf, or not even that, fucking good on you. Safety is an inside job. Mm. I I think um, it's that mentality. Um, we do a lot when we address it inside our own homes, and we just consciously choose to desexualize nudity, mm. especially with our kids. We teach them. Uh, you know, my son is five and a half, almost six, uh, and he sees me naked all the time. Mm. And it's a like I have. There's not an ounce of shame or weirdness or anything around it. It's it's a completely natural experience, and I think that I think that that's really important and necessary for kids to to know that nudity is such a normal part of life, right. and it's not this like super exciting sensational thing that you know that is. I I think one of the things I said to you when we were talking about having this. Uh, podcast in general is that 
one of my major beliefs is that when, when we take sexuality out of the closet, when we, when we remove all of that taboo, including desexualizing nudity mm. and just like letting us be humans in monkey suits, <laughs> we, that's how we make society safe yeah. for women and men. Men are also not safe in this current society. I, I agree. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why there's so much like of that lewd, considerable lewd behavior is that we don't like there is there is a uh, an air of non-safety. And if there is that non-safety, it almost it's like that um, the idea of the uh, the collective belief, like the more people believe in something, the more realistic it can happen. Right. If the society believes that we're not safe, then I believe that you know, that opens the idea for predatoriness around that safety. I think most men don't realize that they don't feel safe. I agree. I think most men have a, have a culturally important story that they, that they are safe. I think that the lack of safety for men starts when, when they're very young, when they're repressed, Hmm. when they're told that they're not allowed to have feelings, they're not allowed to cry. They're not allowed to be afraid. Um, you're not safe when you're told that you're not allowed to have your human experience. Right. Yeah. And I think there's there, I, you know, I, I, I want to say that we're moving into a better understanding of that with our, with raising our our kids. Uh, we are. And, you know, I think, you know, we always push the, 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 you know, the piece forward a little bit with each generation, create a little bit more safety, a little bit more understanding. And, you know, as, as hard as it is right now to look at what's kind of going on with the misunderstanding of like transgender rights and LGBTQ plus, uh, the BIPOC communities, like just misunderstanding of humanity in general. Um, there's, there's also a beauty in that because like we're finally to a point in humanity where we can really dive into this. We're having the conversation. Have the conversation. Exactly. They're ugly, but we're having them. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's the thing with change, right? Whenever any, anytime we go through change, whether it's personal or big change, it's, it's awkward. It's cumbersome and mm-hmm. right? it doesn't feel right because we take ourselves out of the pattern that we're used to making, but, but it's needed because we need to, we, we need to find out those things that we've just kind of rested on for a while. And, and be able to start moving those things and say like, no, we're not going to accept this. We're not going to allow that to happen. Human rights were ne- are very rarely just given out. They're fought for, right? And I think, you know, as bad and as much as I really wish we don't have to fight for, you know, equal rights for all genders, whatever you recognize with, what all, all races, that's where our fight is right now. And I think the importance of that fight shows the importance of how humanity will be viewed as we move forward. Something I'm saying all the time, if you feel disempowered, you have power to claim. Yeah. No one's going to give it to you. Like, that's not how power works. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we have an experience where we get to, like, collectively, where someone gets to have power over is because we are agreeing to hand over our personal power. Right, yeah. It's unconscious. We're taught to do it. We're conditioned to do it. <clears throat> and we are totally unconsciously agreeing <laughs> to be powerless in that situation, to be disempowered. Right. So it's it's a challenging statement for those who feel disempowered because it's when you are in a place where you don't feel powerful, it's really hard to see where the path lies mm-hmm. on your way to finding that power. And it's usually a journey for people. Right. It's not like you're like, Oh, I have no power. Then oh, now I have power. Like, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't work like that. Yeah. And that's very vulnerable. It's very vulnerable. It's you, very hard. You know, as much as, 
you know, just a little example of that, as much as like, as, as we know that, and I know that I tell my clients, I tell myself that yesterday was mother's day. My mom passed away in September, right? It's my first mother's day without my mom. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, and my grieving period has been, been healthy. Let's say that I've cried. I've, 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 you know, been angry, but, but it's all been healthy. And then yesterday being mother's day, I was fine. Woke up, was great. You know, feeling okay. Love mom, miss her, solo prayer for her, taught a yoga class. And then at the very end of yoga, that class, I played, uh, uh, mama's song by, uh, boys to men. You know, it's, I, I, I've been doing it since I started teaching yoga, right? I always play mama's song by boys to men. Mama, mama, you're the queen of my heart. Right. Just like a beautiful song. I'm like, ah, oh, boys to men. And as soon as that song came on, my heart just like crumbled. Mm. And I was like, fuck, man. Oh, this hit me hard. I did. And I got home and like, just to, to kind of comment on what I was saying, like, I didn't feel safe to, to explain that to Monica or her niece or boyfriend that was here. I was just like kind of recluse to myself into this sadness. And it just, it really took me over. And it, it wasn't until like later that afternoon after I like physically removed myself from, from like the beach we were at, the, the joy we were having because I was so in my own shit that I finally was able to process it and then be able to talk to Monica about it. So even though like I feel safe, I know I feel safe, I'm in a safe space where I can share that, I still didn't feel safe. Did you not feel safe because you were telling yourself you needed to be strong? Yeah. 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 I heard that dialogue. And, I, and that's, uh, thank you for mentioning that because I was trying to play the dialogue of like, what am I, what loop am I stuck in that I'm conditioned to, right? Mm-hmm. Buck up, chin up, be strong, don't let them see you cry, all these things that at the same time I'm like, but I'm strong because I cry. Yeah. And I can create more strength for somebody seeing me cry because then it makes them feel safe and they can cry. You know, but it's still, it's like this conditioning, it's so ingrained in us. And I'm 40, almost 43, you know, I've been working, doing this work for almost 10 years now. And it's just, I think it's that gentle reminder of like, be kind to yourself because you don't realize how, how hard this stuff is to change, Mm. you know? Mm -mm. Yeah. My mother said just yesterday during our mother's day dinner, uh, she was married to my dad for 40 years Mm. and she commented, I had never heard her say this before, but she said in 40 years with him, not once did I ever admit him, ever hear him admit to feeling fear. Mm. Damn. Which is so sad because I know my father to be a closeted anxious person, highly anxious person. And to know that he experienced a ton of fear, but never felt like he could expose that safely is so sad. And you know, I've, I've had, you, you can probably guess from the lack of emotional expression that there's a bit of friction in my relationship with my, my father. Hmm. And, that is like that is so at the core of it that right. you know that in the way that he was raised he was repressed so extremely that he lost parts of himself mm. and never could reclaim them and which I, I don't believe it's impossible to reclaim anything ever right. but never has reclaimed them yeah and um i just think it's so especially for men of his generation you know the boomer generation it is so common to just, you know, it's why men die younger of that generation because they, they're just internalizing everything and their hearts give out. Totally. Yeah. 
my dad was uh, very much an internalized. He, he passed at 56, so about mm-hmm. 14 years ago. Yep. And I can honestly say I never saw, I never saw my dad cry. I never saw my dad afraid of anything. I saw my dad pissed off a few times, but he never really like took it out on us. But there was this like stoicism that my dad held that whether right, wrong or indifferent, I find myself still trying to match that. And it's yeah. like that. There's no room for that. There's no place for that anymore. It doesn't serve anyone. No. It really doesn't. Even as a mom, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a single mom. I have him half the time and there are, there's occasionally times when I'm having a, a really hard day mm-hmm. or I'm re- processing some really heavy emotions. And I have to consciously remind myself to show him that, mm. to, to let mm. him see that I'm having a hard time. And to, uh, like, at one, there was this one time when I was having such a hard time that I just sank down on the kitchen floor and just burst into tears. And he came in the room concerned about me. And I said, I'm okay. I'm just having some big feelings right now. Mm. And, and, you know, so that made that a totally fine thing for him. But it's so important for that to be normal, for yeah. him to see it modeled that, like, adults fall apart. Yeah. We have shitty ass days that just don't work for us. We throw tantrums. We like and we need to. Yeah. I also model screaming into pillows for him. Oh, there all you go. The okay. Time. Yeah. Like if if I'm that's what I'll, we'll get into an interaction and I'll start feeling my frustration and I will go, "Buddy, I need to go yell into my <laughs> scream into my pillow." <laughs> and he goes, "Okay, I want you to." <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, fucking group healing. We both scream it out. <laughs> Hell yeah! I think that's super important to show that generation that you can experience your emotions because, like, there there's no room for this. Swallow it down. Just just trudge forward. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Like we need to feel that we because. With that expression of your emotions and what we would consider maybe a, 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 a strong emotion or maybe a negative, quote-unquote, negative emotions, which there aren't any. Uh, I love the bell hooks quote, all, all emotions are okay, all, all behaviors are not. Because when mm-hmm. you experience your emotions, they don't sneak around become shitty behaviors that come out when they don't want to come mm-hmm. out, right? So, But when we can experience fear, sadness, grief... That opens up the ability to love, to joy, to feel the embracement of all the beautiful things even deeper too. That is why men aren't enjoying their experience that much. Because as they're repressing all the hard shit, they go. can't feel the good shit. Fuck yeah. I, I 100% believe that. I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. So with, okay, so one of the big things that you do is create um, empowerment, right? And it's, uh, through the coursework that you work with through, um, the individual work, the group work, the podcast work. So in how to, okay. <clears throat> in, in such a, a, a disempowered, I think humanity, I won't even say just like a gender. I mean, all, I mean, I think there are definitely genders that are more disempowered than others, but we're kind of a disempowered humanity and we don't feel like our, we don't feel our power. We don't feel our authenticity. So working with, uh, with exploring that empowerment through intimacy, which is one of those like intimacy, you know, it's like, (laughs) oh shit. You know, we talked about porn a lot. (laughs) That's a funny statement just to kind of shoot out there. But (laughs) before we hit record, we talked about the influence of porn. How about that? Pornography on on, uh, (laughs) generations like myself, who again, I'm 43. Uh, so grew up in the eighties and nineties, the advent of like the internet, the popularization of all that shit. And it basically it basically dissolved intimacy 
through pornography. Like there was no intimacy. Like there were definitely like subsections of pornography that you could find that were like, oh, we're gonna like do a bath and maybe wear lingerie. When's the last time you heard someone say, I love you in a porn? Right, exactly. <laughs> no, it's just like, hey, grab me, let me grab you by the hair and put you where I need you, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, in a place where, I mean, there's been a very severe lack of intimacy. Uh, how did you even approach this in the beginning? Uh, so I want to take you back to the the start, uh, like the inspiration for The Art of the Blowjob. Okay. Which uh, was... Uh, early 2020, right at the start of the pandemic, everybody was on the internet, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it was it was just a random fluke. I was uh, in a Facebook group filled with women only, dedicated to w- women in business, uh, with a um, with a with a tinge of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, the leader of the group. Posted a post that said, uh, "Rate your blowjob skills one to ten. And uh, I said, 10 out of 10, I could teach class. There you go. I wasn't even thinking about it. And I had a whole bunch of women, like 10 women, reach out to me in private from that one post. And I had conversations with all of them. And I realized through those conversations that they were engaging in blowjobs in a very disempowered way. Okay. Uh, And so then I started teaching them how to engage in an empowered way. And I realized that I had some very powerful things to say to women about their sexuality in general. Okay. Uh, their engagement with men in general. So, um, you know, the, the the most important thing that I teach, kind of the, the number one thing that I start with is this idea of, is your desire in alignment with what you're engaging in? Mm. Do you actually want to be doing what you're doing? Right. Because that's, the answer to that is <laughs> no for a lot of women when they're engaging in sex. Mm. A lot of times there's this energy of self-sacrifice and obligation. A lot of that is built into our conditioning and our cultural programming that we somehow owe men sex Mm -hmm. for a variety of things. And uh, so, you know, one of the the places that that I start with women is just this this idea that we get to own our desire and lack thereof. Yeah. And so, you know, owning your no and so that you can ecstatically own your yes. Yeah. Um, cause it's the ecstatic ownership of that. Yes. That actually contributes the energy to your engagement. That is sexy. That is, you know, going to be experienced as sexy by both of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I mean, from both aspects, both standpoints, again, heterosexual relationship, but I've had part like my, my, whether it's my fiance now or, you know, uh, um, consensual sexual partners in the past, like you can tell if somebody's like, yeah, okay, whatever, we'll have sex or I'll give you a blowjob rather than like, Hey, (laughs) it's on. Right. And it's like, yeah, okay. We're going to, okay. Are you done yet? All right, cool. Good. It's like, there's no, there's the energy's not there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then for me, like in the past, that could have been fine. Right. I'm I'm sure I've like checked a couple boxes, like cool, got off. I'm good. I'm going to go to sleep now. But, you know, as we start to get, as I've gotten older in my life and, and really kind of look to love and respect the relationships that I'm in instead of just seeing them as just part of what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause again, Mm -hmm. that's part of that conditioning. Mm -hmm. Um, there is, there is a beauty when there's not, not consensual cause you know, with, with all my partners have been consensual, but they're still like. Like they're, I'm in it as much as they are. We're mm-hmm. all turned on. We're all aroused. We're all in this instead of just this obligatory kind of like, 
Are we yeah. done yet? Cool. Okay, I'm going to go to sleep now. Well, let's talk about that distinction because when I would say the majority of the sexual trauma that I've experienced in my life has mm-hmm. been during a consensual experience okay. or what appeared to be a consensual mm-hmm. experience. Okay. I would say that the majority of the men who I walked away feeling harm after the experience, they had no clue. Mm, It's like, there's a, there's a subtlety to this that is, that is really not generally understood. Um, and that was kind of one of the, one of the key things that I walked away from all those women with those conversations about blowjobs is that their bodies were exhibiting evidence that, that they had been traumatized but they were unaware that mm. they had been traumatized. Okay. And so a lot of a lot of the importance and the bulk of this sexual liberation work is to even just get in touch with like what what have you already been through? Mm. What have you experienced and and what meaning have you made of the, made made of that in your body and and in the way that you relate to others? Yeah. It's a lot to unpack. And you know, one of the unfortunate statistics right now is I can't remember the percentage, but it's the majority of women in this world have been sexually abused in some kind of way or have had some kind of sexual trauma in their lives. I would guess that most men would be shocked and appalled if they understood all that goes into sexual engagement for women. Mm. Even even Rocky, my co-host, right? Yeah. Rocky, Rocky has a yoni massage uh, business. Mm-hmm. He is very cued into women's pleasure and, and creating physical intimacy in that way. Um, and on our podcast just the other day, I said, uh, I I would guess that for pretty much every woman out there, the element of safety is always like top of our minds when we're, when we're engaging with someone sexually, there's no way, there's no way to extract our concern for safety from, from that scenario. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I guess I've never really thought about how like safety would, would have to be an element for women in in every engagement. And I'm just like, (laughs) right. Yep. (laughs) Like you, you work in this stuff. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Like this is, this is your realm. (laughs) And yet here I am explaining to you that yes, like that is always a consideration for us, not just mentally, but it's like literally wired into our bodies. Right. And for men to be coming into an intimate space with us and to be completely lacking in awareness of this is is one big part of why we have the experiences that we do. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to make with, uh, with, with your co-host Rocky. And, and because like you said, he's tapped in, like he knows, but I think that shows how, how much we really don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And how much like, you know, we, how, how much the expectation might be there when we really don't. And it kind of goes back to that, that, that statement I made earlier about, you know, cis white men being in the quote unquote power. It's like, I, I don't I don't know, right? I don't want this, right? Yeah. And it's like I don't want this to feel obligatory. I don't want this to feel unsafe, but at the same time, like I've never been taught how. There's this concept I refer to as the collective dick. Okay, I like that. <laughs> Please <And> explain. <laughs> it is basically the fact that unconsciously, and men do this as well with women, um, but w- we treat the man in front of us who's present in our physical space 
as though he's the amalgamation of all of the experiences we've had with the masculine oh, in the past. Yeah, yeah. So unconsciously, yep. we don't realize that we're doing this, mm-hmm. but we are taking every experience that we've had with men and penises, and we are bringing it into that not, that one engagement, which is why men feel like this is so unfair, uh, right? Yeah. Like I, because so often they feel like they're being treated like the bad guy, and they've been perfectly good guy usually. Like they've tried hard, mm-hmm. you know, they've done their best, and um, but but yet there's all of this heaviness coming at them that is this stuff from the past, and I, I a lot of this work is for women to realize like that's that's on us that's our responsibility to process what we've experienced to um i think i think this was before we started recording the podcast but i was saying like how much work i have personally done to find my respect for men right and to really like deeply respect men i mean it's it's a process when you have had a series of experiences with men where they've mistreated you. Right. And so it's a big journey from victimhood where men are the bad guy to, I love men. I respect men. I want to teach men how to relate to me better and help me feel safe in the world so that we can all get along better. Yeah. I, we need that. We need Mm -hmm. that. And I, there, there's a, there's a bit of that too, where like, I, I, I feel bad and I don't by no means expect, but there, you know, there's this idea that like, let's take black lives matter. Right. And so in black lives matter, uh, started becoming like a big movement, you know, there was a bunch of, of people that had good intentions. Let's say white people that had good intentions. I say, how can I help? Please explain to me what I'm doing wrong so I can help. And then there was frustration of been like, I don't want to be your teacher. Just don't be a fucking asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Be be nice, be kind, lead with your heart. So, you know, in 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 this, like kind of what you're talking about, there's, you know, we, we don't put a lot of emphasis on the human body as we go through schooling. Like there's a couple health classes maybe, right? But that talks about like the basics of health, right? What we would consider health, but doesn't talk about how to use the body, right? Mm-mm. What, like how to breathe, how to meditate, how to like pleasure yourself, like any of that shit, right? <laughs> and so there's like this expectation of like, you guys got this. We got this, right? You know how to human. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, you know, one of the defaults for men my age was porn. And so you have this, this wave of people getting their ways to have intimate relations through aggressive pornography. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like, well, this is what I saw. This is what I've heard. You know, this is what I've seen. And then you get a human in front of you and it's like, oh, well, they don't like that. But are you strong enough to say one as a human, as a man saying, Hey, uh, do you like when I pull your hair? But the counter is, is the person receiving that, strong enough to say, Hey, guess what? Don't fucking pull my hair. Mm-hmm. We're not at that place yet. And, and so there's like this quiet reciprocity of like, Oh, I, should I do this? And it's like, I don't like that, but should I, I don't feel right doing this, but I don't fucking like that. But nobody's actually saying anything, mm-hmm. right? There's this quietness of like, you're doing this wrong. Am I doing this right? No, you're doing this wrong, but am I doing this right? And, but now people like yourself and, and we're getting to that point to where we can say, this doesn't feel good. And again, like with the, the, the example I made earlier, it, sh- it shouldn't be the rights of, or the, the purpose of the woman to say, or the person being aggressed upon to say, Hey, like, let me teach you how to be a better human. 
So when we find people that do have that space in their heart and that patience to say, Hey, guess what? Like, I get it. I see like, we've all kind of fucked up in some kind of way in, in, in our, in our trainings and our human, in our humanness. I see what's going on here. I'm going to take some space out of my heart and I'm going to hold this space for, for humanity while we explore this together. Hmm. Good for fucking you. That's a big, that's a big bite to take off, you know, and that's a big space to hold because there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of ego involved with expressing the misinformation and egos are really tough to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with, with the work that you're doing with, uh, you know, with the art of the blow job and the other coursework that you're doing, I mean, are you seeing, are you seeing that, uh, that through intimacy and through the understanding of what intimacy truly is that empowerment? And then that being able to like, let's say you empower, you know, a female, um, client that you're working with and then seeing that empowerment being able to be received by the male in her life as something that's constructive instead of something that's like, well, fuck you, I'm doing this right. You know, are you starting to see some of that kind of like that understanding of, you know, where the work is? I would say the biggest, the biggest, the biggest pattern I'm seeing is that, um, keeping, keeping our sexuality so close to the vest as women, uh, is one of the things that has us moving about in the world, not feeling safe. Mm. And if we feel safe to be embodied in the fact that we are in fact sensual, sexual beings, when we're out in the world, uh, we, it, it's really transformative in our experience in life. Right. Um, the, In, in terms of, you know, what I've seen in, in relationships with my clients, I, a lot of, a lot of my work kind of revolves around, um, you know, looking at the distinction between feminine, feminine and masculine energy, not necessarily genderizing it, mm-hmm. but, um, <clears throat> this idea that we all have feminine and masculine energy within, mm-hmm. uh, and then this idea that we find ourselves in polarized relationships where, where one tends to embody one energy more than the other, whether in a hetero couple or a same sex couple, it doesn't matter. It's energetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, I, I work with feminine women, uh, mainly, and I am teaching them how to embody an invitation basically how to create a welcome space for not just men, but everything that you want in your life. Right. Uh, cause we're birthers. We, you know, we, we birth things into reality and we do that by opening up and creating the space for it. Hmm. And, uh, so <clears throat> when women start to take ownership of their desire and start to move through their fear of being embodied in, in their sensual nature, uh, they just, they move with more power. Mm-hmm. You know, you receive, it, people think it's the opposite. People think because, you know, because I, I talk about sex so much that I'm, I must be disrespected all the time. And I do get the occasional, you know, dumbass in my DMs. It's like, oh, blue job sounds good. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a drive-through. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like a number three supersize. <laughs> right. No, sorry, sorry, buddy. Uh, 
not exactly how it works. Uh But um, for the most part, uh, my experience has been, you know, people treat me like a queen because I'm so insistent that I get to be who I am and want what I want Mm -hmm. and do what I do that you can feel that energetically. So I see that shift happening with my clients where there's just, it's a new, it's a new lease on life. It's, uh, you know, you really get to start to play with how much you can mold and shape and influence your experience and the kinds of things that you can invite in and bring in. Um, cause so often we're not doing that because we're busy being disempowered. Right. So when we stop being so busy in the disempowerment and the disconnection and we start to really come online and, you know, be operating in our full selves, we suddenly have all this energy for all this other stuff we can create and do. Yeah. There's a, with, with that empowerment you're talking about, there's the, the thing that pops up into my head is almost like, because there's, there's, there's sometimes an anger around that empowerment. Like, why the fuck do you have that power? Right. It's and especially from men. And, and I think there's, and I'll speak from personal experience, but I think there's a bit of jealousy there mm-hmm. because I think down deep, everybody wants to embody their humanity. And like you said, the balance of, right. I don't want to always just cause I'm, I'm a white man. Doesn't mean I always want to act like a white man. Sometimes I want to act like, you know, embrace my feminine side, mm-hmm. but we're not in a culture that does that allows that. So we have to, it's almost like since I'm playing by the rules, quote unquote rules, whatever those are, whoever wrote those, since I'm playing by the perceived rules, you have to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're not, then you're doing it wrong and I'm going to hold you accountable for it. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, with the, um, the openness that has now started to surface with gender um, expressions that maybe there it gives men an avenue to safely, hopefully start to explore what potentially stepping into more of their, their feminine side would be. The more that you empower women, it allows men to finally feel the power that they don't want and the power that they really do need, which is the power of understanding yourself. When men wake up to realizing like how much better it's going to feel when we have a, an equal balance of power between men, it, like it's going to feel so much better for both parties. Mm. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. There, you, you reminded me of one, uh, one client experience I had, one of the few men that I've worked with. Um, and just sharing this story makes me kind of want to call in more men. Um, I did a, a song session for him. It's a, it's an intuitive session where I'm working with someone's energy, totally different realm than my, my pleasure work. Um, and he had a very power, something he identified in his body and he had a very, very powerful release, like a big, big very, very old cry from, Mm. from a very young age. And he came out of that state and had an awareness that he, that he wanted to play in his feminine a bit. And that, and that, that release had come from such heavy shaming that he received from, from his dad for even the slightest bit of femininity. Right. And so what he decided to do was he decided to dress up like a pretty pink princess yes, and go to a local festival mm-hmm. and just spend the day being a pretty pink pr- princess as a straight white man. Okay. 
and he had the time of his freaking life <laughs> just like prancing around being a girl <laughs> he had so much fun Hell and yes. he felt so free and it was like such a healing experience for him and did it change him from being a straight man absolutely not it didn't shift anything yeah. about him it simply made him feel more like himself mm. more at home in himself in a strange way that what you just said made me it, it reminds me of when i first had kids and i gave myself the freedom to be a fucking kid again mm-hmm. play legos mm-hmm. watch movies fucking have frosting on my face and not care about it, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever play dress up? Fuck yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, I had two girls. You know, yeah. I was wearing shit. They used to color my tattoos in, all the stuff. Pretty yeah. bows in my hair. But I think there is something with that. You know, I love that because like we, by no means do we need permission. But maybe we're in a place right now where somebody, you need to give yourself the permission to explore that freedom, right? The child inside you, the opposite sex inside of you, the, the suppressed gender that's, that's just waiting to scream and cry and love you or whatever it is, right? So embrace that, that quiet little whisper of being, being what that is, right? Whether it, like I said, like just sitting down and watching The Incredibles, Right. Yeah, I got two kids. They're old enough to, to almost have their own kids. But you know what? I still take the opportunity to watch cartoons wherever the fuck I want to now because they showed, <laughs> they reminded me how cool that is, right? Yeah. To just be a kid every once in a while. Sit there with your head, your face in your hands and just sit there and like mindlessly watch the fucking grass grow, you know? Our inner children are always along for the ride. And do you know how sad it is when we act like they're not there? Mm-hmm. Like you just picture treating an actual child like they don't exist and yet they're in the room with you. Yep. It's so sad. Yep. And we're just, we're so much happier when we, when we play to that part of ourselves. Yeah. There was a, when I was younger, I uh, was doing nefarious kid shit and part of that journey in life took me to uh, narcotics and shit like that. And uh, in that realm, like I, I put on this stoicness, right? Kind of hard, kind of exterior, you know, the people I was dealing with and all that shit. <clears throat> and I had a friend tell me one time, he's like, hey, um, pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, if I can keep things cool. He's like, if you're too cool, you'll end up freezing. I'm like, damn, what does that mean? Because <laughs> I was like fucking 17. He's like, dude, if, if you don't show your emotions, you're going to lose them embrace your emotions you can't just be this fucking cool kid all the time you know it's like you know doing all this shit you gotta be happy when you're happy oh, that you gotta person be... was a bit of an angel for you and you know who that was it was one of my fucking drug dealers <laughs> and i was like it, it just it came out of nowhere right mm. but it's it, it's those little voices right but there there is that reminder that we we don't have to live up to somebody else's standard Right, you don't have to live to a standard that we saw on TV or read in a book, <clears throat> or if it was if your own fucking parent, your uncle, whatever aunt in your life. Like that's not a standard you got to live up to by any means. Like you ex- explore yourself, right? Explore what makes you happy. Explore the, the the path that that you really want to find, right? But through that exploration, I think that's when we're true to ourselves. That's when we find the true intimacy and the true happiness and the true joy and the true empowerment because we're taking time to look at those aspects of our life that might be considered uh taboo and really finding out what we actually think about those i think that's a really powerful distillation point which is that that giving permission to ourselves um because ultimately the stories that we tell ourselves about our own belonging 
are just that. They're just stories, they're a construct, and they're they're based in, you know, our our animal instincts and survival and what you know, wanting to make sure that we get to stay in the tribe and and a lot of us, you know, our tribe growing up was kind of mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so you really learn some interesting ways of staying in the tribe. Right. And um but permission to just I mean, that's so much of what I'm doing in my in my blowjob course with these women is permission to release all of these preconceived ideas about how we're supposed to show up and who we're supposed to be right. and find find that true through line of like, well, what feels right? What feels like you? Yeah. Yeah. With, um, so... <sighs> with that like it's 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 like almost like you're you're creating trust with the self mm-hmm. which a lot of us don't have we don't have trust in self or knowledge of self um so getting your clients to go deeper into themselves i'm sure that intimacy becomes kind of a catalyst for a lot of growth oh yeah a lot of healing work what when you when you give a a blowjob to your husband of many years who you love that you aren't really in the mood to give or you don't really want to give like birthday blow job or something like whatever that, you know? yeah, yeah like he like he asked and you're like fine yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> Woo, here we go <laughs> yeah right like you're you're actively betraying betraying yourself mm-hmm. and your own body by by not by not acknowledging your lack of uh lack of desire Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, again, I think it goes back to where this, you know, as, as frustrating as it might be for a man to hear that answer when they say, Hey, can I get a blowjob? Uh, I think that those are very important steps to creating that safety that men can now explore on their own too. And, are you actually feeling safe in what you're being asked to do? Or can you find it within yourself in a very respectful way to voice that concern instead of just being like, well, I guess I'll just fucking go clean the gutters, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it is that, you know, whatever it is. But, but there's, it's like, we're all, we're all, we're all creating a ladder, right? We're all trying to help each other up whether we realize it or not. And like through the empowerment that you create for yourself and for others, you're allowing the empowerment for everybody to be explored, mm-hmm. right? And that that creating that safety, creating that atmosphere of safety, so that that we can all find the the empowerment that makes the most sense for us, right? And not wielding it around, but just like, how does it land with you? I would love for for all men to reexamine <clears throat> to reexamine what safety means mm. to you. And what safety can look like, because I think most men have an have an association with physical safety, and and we are not even in a state where we can count on that level of safety with men. Right. Um, but and we're not even having the conversation about emotional safety, right. because emotional safety doesn't exist for men either. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's something that both sexes are learning how to engage in newly today what you said something about earlier about generation to generation like we do we try to just try to do better than the last generation did 
this generation right now, we're experiencing something new that we've never had before. And that's this, what we're doing right now. Right. The fact that everyone has a voice, the fact that you can't like minorities can no longer be hidden, can no longer be covered up because we all have an opportunity to use our individual voices right. and to be heard by hundreds of thousands or millions even. Right which is amazing and incredible. And we're so connected that we're, we're collectively able to absorb this information from each other much faster. Right. And, and we also have this concept of like group think, right? Where mm -hmm. like if enough of us adopt this consciousness of unconditional love and like making space for everyone to have their power, <laughs> we'll eventually get there. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a a theory in quantum entanglement um, that basically it's like okay so say like if you have a sphere for example if you have a sphere floating in space and one percent of that sphere no matter how big it is big or small just one percent of that sphere starts to pull in a different direction that's all it takes for the momentum of the rest of that sphere to start pulling any object right. And so, I mean, you look at our population now, let's say eight and a half, nine billion people. So that's 900 million people to just, and, and that's a big fucking number, right? But when you break it down from eight and a half billion, that's not a big number, right? Mm -hmm. eight, eight, 800 billion million people just just changing their thought process and, and, and allowing that current to move through the collective consciousness mm -hmm. to show that, hey, okay, we're done with that ignorance right now we're going to allow this concept to start to permeate through the consciousness and see what happens with that in in, <clears throat> in this sphere we're having conversations about how we've been creating our own suffering mm. and <clears throat> that's what we're collectively in the process of learning yeah how we've been creating our own suffering and hopefully <laughs> how to stop <laughs> fingers crossed fingers fucking crossed God. before we blow up uh-huh <laughs> Gosh, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, using tools the wrong way, you know, before we finally figure it out. And, you know, there's, you know, we, we, it's, it's hard not to just like beat yourself up when you figure it out, like you've been using this screwdriver as a hammer for like the past six months and mm -hmm. there's a perfectly good hammer that's built to do what you need to do, but you've been just like flipping the screwdriver around and using the base of it. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll go through some self-loathing of like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot. I can't believe I did that. I know it's a fucking screwdriver. What the hell? But like, throw that aside. Like, just embrace the fact that that's not your ignorance anymore. Mm -hmm. We're now moving forward. You got this beautiful hammer. You can go to fucking town on that roof. You know, mm -hmm. you're good to go now. You don't have to awkwardly use the screwdriver. But don't create the story about using the screwdriver. Just fucking switch over to using the hammer, right? And be okay with that. Austin, our friend, uh -huh. sent me something just yesterday uh, that was about how this idea that until a certain point in our lives what we're doing unconsciously without realizing it is, li is living a lifestyle. Mm. And it, that comes from all of our conditioning and everything around us that, that teaches us how to live that lifestyle, right? And once we realize that we're living a lifestyle and we can become aware of that fact, we then have the opportunity to change our lifestyle, to make new choices and do things differently. And there's, for everyone, there's a point where you think life is a certain way up until a certain point. You think it only works that way. And then we all have, you know, at some point we have that moment where it's like, oh, maybe it's not how I thought it was. <laughs> maybe this isn't the best way. Uh-huh. You know, maybe this isn't working for me. Um, 
<clears throat> and I just think that's so beautiful that we're, we're really, like for the very first time collectively as a species, we're operating in, in the field of pure potentiality here. Mm. Like we all have the opportunity to reach out and choose whatever we want for our lifestyle. Yeah. Which is so exciting. Hell yeah. What you just said about, you know, the realization that we have, you know, at times where, oh shit, I wasn't living a life the way I can understand how to do it now. So I think there's, there's, there's a level of that, that gets people in trouble because of the ego, right? Cause we, so say subconsciously you've been living that life, right? And subconsciously we don't really know, right? We're just kind of doing that pattern shit that the brain does, right? What's, we're making patterns. But once we find out that I'm not living the life that I'm proud of now, right? And whatever aspect that, that shows up for you, we now consciously know that. And if you consciously know that, and now you've chosen to not change that, that behavior in some kind of way, it lands in a much more toxic way then with the body. you're really suffering. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, you know, to, to, to the, to just credit the, the, the work that you're doing is you're giving people an outlet to embrace their ignorance without damaging their ego. And I think there, in, in where we're at right now, we need to be very cognizant of the, the way the ego has been viewed and the amount of control that ego's had for as many decades, millennia that we know of, that it's going to take some time to softly unravel that and mm. to say, yeah, ego, like I get it. You're angry. You want to just, you're, you're cool with this razor blade laced blanket that you're wrapping yourself in because you think it's cozy, but also let's take this away. Let's add some information and let's hold some space and, and let's inform everybody and then we'll, 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 we'll love your ego still. It's fine. Nobody's holding your ego accountable, but now we're going to move towards this mm -hmm. and we're going to get away from this shit. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I really have to credit my co-host Rocky in that in helping to create the environment for these conversations because, um, you know, m men get so much conditioning to like, you know, be the leader, be in charge have all the answers. Um, and Rocky, Rocky does operate in, in this beautiful masculine leadership. And it is so informed mm. by what he's observing in, uh, in who he's talking to and, or who he's interacting with. And, um, and he's also forever a student, um, as am I. And I think that is, a huge part of why we're able to create these open and mutually respectful conversations where, um, I do, I do feel like I'm doing more of the like illuminating of things for him than he, me, it, it, there's, you know, when, when you're the, the oppressed, you know more about the oppressor. Right. Yeah. Right? So we women, we understand you men pretty well. I mean, we're still, there's, there's work to be done to under, to understand, uh, for a lot of women, m more of the positive things about men's power, mm -hmm. more of the things that are worthy of respect and that are, that are essential and important for, in order for the world to function. Um, but Rocky's so ready to admit what he doesn't know. Mm. And so open to me explaining like, no, that is like such a man perspective. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me help you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, 
and I think like he is providing such a service to men by standing in that space and and allowing me to verbalize my perspective and and him actively doing the work sitting there going ah that makes sense I hadn't thought about it that way yeah definitely sometimes we we need an example mm -hmm. an example of a strong masculine representing person to say hey oh hey guess what I'm fucking wrong cool now let's figure this out together right share your information because I really want to get this and good for Rocky you know we need that there's just there's just I I don't want to just coddle everybody's ego, but sometimes we just got to be we got to be aware of the situations and the information that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And if that's a factor in it, and we want to better this in some kind of way, we have to look at that as a factor and have to play to it in a kind of way. Mm-hmm. Not not placate to it in a, for for a long term, right? But just say, hey, look, okay, go, got it, right? Take the lock off first before you try to open the door. Mm-hmm. If you just sit there and try and sham that door open, it's fucking <laughs> locked. It's like it's not going anywhere. You can break it down, but what what good is that going to do? Right. right? get the fucking lock out right get the key unlock it and then ah here we go now the door's open now we can do some work mm-hmm. yeah well my dear how do we get in touch with you well uh if you want to join my flock mm-hmm. i am findable I findable on facebook um facebook is kind of like my main hangout and i talk about all the different aspects of my work i'm a i um you know, I, I share, um, like you, you called me outspoken. I'm very, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a transparent, authentic sharer. I really try to um, put intention behind everything that I write to like share my heart with people who hmm. follow me. Um, and so I really love nurturing that space. Uh, I also have a website, natalievires.com. Beautiful uh, website. Thank you. And uh, we also, for the podcast, if you're interested in exploring that, we have gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Hell yeah. And then you have another, we have two more podcasts in the works to be starting to release, but not yet. So, yeah. So, so Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky is on all the major platforms now. And I have a second one in development that is uh, going to be called Superconscious Sirens. Hell yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you for doing the work you're doing. Thank you for sharing your time and your knowledge. Um, I'm, I feel there's going to be many more conversations between us in the, in the near future. And, uh, and I look forward to it because I, I can't, ex- I can't express how important I think the work is that you're doing and, and thank you and, and send the gratitude that needs to be sent to you. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to create safe spaces and I think we need to be able to like put the egos aside and meet people where they're at and, and we can, we can do some big work. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for facilitating a beautiful conversation. Anytime. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for spending time with Natalie and I. Please check out the show notes for ways you can get in touch with Natalie to learn more about her coursework or to work with her individually. Also to check out her beautiful podcast, the one that is out now in the other projects she's currently working on. We'll base in some love. We'll see y'all next time.